HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills, and also by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farms raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Learn more at BigGreenEgg.com and SpringerMountainFarms.com. Hi, welcome back. This is Heritage Radio Network, and we are broadcasting live from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. And we want to give a big shout-out to our sponsors, Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms Chicken, for allowing us to be here this weekend, and for the festival for setting up this awesome double teepee. So if you're in Charleston, head down to Marion Square to the Culinary Village, look for the teepees, and you'll find us here. Um, I'm going to pass it over now back to Chef Rob Newton, um, and he has guest Michael Toscano with him. And take it away, Rob. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Chef. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Cool. Are we on? You good? Cool. cool. All right, cool. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Houston and your family and what that was like and tell us how you wound up in New York and then we'll move it on down here. Sure. So uh, Houston was, uh, I left Houston when I was 17. I had a Mexican upbringing. My parents are great cooks. Uh, grew up around the table eating great food. Awesome. And um, but also played sports my whole life. So kind of uh, got into cooking by working at a golf course, picking the driving range, cleaning the golf carts. Oh, right on. Uh, I was I got that job in order to uh, be able to practice every day because I was a high school golfer. Oh yeah, I think I read that you were yeah. trying to like go that yeah. route, right? And uh, through that, I, I met the chef. Chef was a great guy, and kind of got interested in just seeing a professional kitchen for the first time. Yeah. And uh, after, after seeing that side, I quit the golf course, went inside, still played golf in high school, uh, and, and fell in love with it at that point. Was a dishwasher and, uh, and moved my way up to a cook. And then when I graduated, I turned down a, a scholarship to play golf in college to do an apprenticeship, which I got through that golf club, which was part of uh, CCA that owned Pinehurst Resort. So I moved to North Carolina, where I got a scholarship to... Uh, to do an ACF apprenticeship oh, okay, cool. at the Pinehurst Resort. Wow, cool. Yeah, so I moved to North Carolina at that point, and yeah. from there went to New York. It was probably wild for you that growing up in a family that sounds like really focused on food, but in a in like an organic, natural kind of way. Because it kind of happened to me as well, like to come full circle and find yourself back into doing something at 
ironically kind of feels familiar to you and badass totally. all at the same time. And that's kind of so like sad, that, right? That's exactly. That's yeah. what's so satisfying yeah. about it is getting to bring people around a table and yeah. have fun and, and relax and enjoy food and yep. taste all these different flavors, but also be social and, uh, you know. And, and you're like, oh, my family's been doing this since I was little, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah. natural, yeah. Sure. And then New York, you went from North Carolina like, to, to the city, I guess? Yeah, so met my wife uh, in North Carolina. And at the time, my girlfriend, we moved to New York. Uh, you know, wanted to work nowhere else. So went to right. New York and uh, we settled in and uh, where was it? Elmhurst, Queens. Got a little apartment there and started where my first job in New York was at Bouchon Bakery. I was trying oh, cool. to work at Per Se and they didn't have any openings. So they right. stuck me at Bouchon and worked there for a couple Which months. Which one? Which location? The one in the Time Warner building. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And then a lot of time with Batali, is that right? Yeah, so I left uh, after I realized I wasn't going to go to Per Se because there was a <laughs> kitchen full of people with the same promise. Tears, uh, tears fall. <laughs> I went to, uh, I, I uh, sent my resume to Babo every week for a couple months until they finally responded. And I, awesome. Um, started as a. Uh, Did you do snail there. mail too or strictly email? Uh, I called, I emailed, and I snail mailed. I love it. I love it. And uh, so finally got a hold of the chef and uh, got to get a trail and. Started as a tournant there, and then uh, I was like, perfect timing, perfect place, and the sous chef... started as a tournant. That's mm -hmm. cool. The sous chef left, and uh, I became a sous chef when I was 21. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So it was intense. It was intense. You stayed there several years, I think, right? For four years. Yeah. Yeah. And how long in New York total? Uh, 11. Yeah. Cool. It's a good run. I've been there almost 20, so it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, I, I, I can feel your... Uh, deciding to depart <laughs> so you wound up down here probably not by accident you probably planned yeah. it out and charleston's a great place and uh, awesome. you guys packed up and headed yeah. down here what's, what's i mean it, it been was like it was the uh the, this festival i i was invited, oh, really i was invited to cook here cool uh four years ago now and uh, four years ago i was invited to cook came down was blown away by the city that time still was into new york so it wasn't wasn't ready to move yet, but then the second year I came, it was we had just had you started our, feeling it. Right? We had just had our second child, um, and it was time to get out. Yeah, sure. So we we fell in love with this place, and uh, I haven't looked back since. Right on. And what's it been like? I mean, you you didn't come down here to work somewhere else, I assume, right? You came down here strictly with the plan to do so, your own thing. Uh, what's that whole process been like? Moved down, sold the restaurants uh, before I came down. That was almost two and a half years ago now. Uh, oh yeah, was, we skipped over a whole period of. Um, you were with uh, yeah, Jeffries and exactly. So yeah. I, uh, whenever I was at Monzo, I opened Italy on uh, on Fifth Avenue, and I after what a great space. It, it was uh, that was incredible. But when I when I left there, I opened Perla, and I teamed up with uh, a guy named uh, Gabe Stuhlman. Yep. Yep. So we uh, we opened up Perla together. Um, as partners, and uh, that was it was fantastic. And uh, he he needed a little help to uh, in a couple other restaurants, so I, I helped him with those. And so then I was a, a partner at uh, Perla, Jeffrey's Grocery, and Montmartre. And then uh, they got know, big quick. You're like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. So you know, with the combination of uh, working around the clock and uh, having two kids at home, and my wife is also very talented in the industry, and 
you know, she was at uh, at Craft at Del Posto at Per Se and quit all that when we had our first kid. And right. um, she wanted to get back into it. I wanted to work with her again. We opened Monzo together. I see. So we had an so amazing you had the time. experience yeah, together. We had an amazing time working together. Then we had our son. And she stopped working. And uh, I opened Perla and did all of that. But uh, she was at home that whole time and she wanted to get back into it. So we uh, made the decision together to... To, to drop what we were doing and go open something, you know, get back to where we were. It, it, the whole process of working together has been, it's been it's awesome. awesome. No challenges. Yeah. I mean, there are always challenges. Yeah, it would sure. be worth it if there weren't challenges, but <laughs> right. uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right on. Yeah, for sure. So how long uh, is it Farfalle or Farfalle? Le Farfalle. Le Farfalle. You guys have been open? For seven months now. Seven months. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And how's it going? How has how you been received here? How long did it take to get open? Like, build-outs yeah. in New York are just notoriously awful, as you very well exactly. know. Like, was it similar here? It's, was it easier? It, it's definitely similar. Similar. Oh uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. We got very lucky, though. We uh, Was it already a restaurant? It was already a restaurant. It actually was uh, a place called Vickery's, which is, uh, from what I hear, was a staple back in the day. So it was here okay. for... It was in that space for 18 years. Wow. And then uh, the last restaurant was leaf and it was there for five years so taking over that space it was everything was in place we just uh kind of gutted it and redid everything right um and that took five months which for me was it was record time that so, sounds pretty awesome yeah we we pushed hard and, yeah. and we're able to get our permits when we wanted them and it was uh, we were lucky how long did it take you to find the space from like the time eight you months. moved here eight months so, so eight and then we, five so within a year you're like Boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the way. Super cool. And let's talk about the restaurant. Let's talk about what the approach is. I mean, I've looked at the menu, obviously. But I'd like to hear from your perspective sure. about how you divide it up, how you like the guests to eat. Like, what's, you know, what's so, your overall culinary approach there? So we fell in love with that space because it, it had so many different uh, experiences, possible experiences that you could have there. When you like walk, little rooms, you mean? Or like, exactly. Meaning you walk in through the patio. There's this beautiful wraparound patio. So awesome. you have about 45 seats out there. There's the potential for a private area where we built a garden. So uh, between that garden, the patio, then the, uh, you walk into the bar room. And the bar room is uh, basically L shapes around that patio. So you have these be- big, beautiful windows uh, on one side of the patio. And then the dining room with the same big, beautiful windows is on the other side of the patio. So just the way this, this restaurant flows in the dining rooms, it's own it sounds thing. sounds big. The, it's 5,000 square feet. Holy yeah. crap. All right. Uh, the, the bar room is its own thing. The dining room is its own thing. We have different levels uh, in the restaurant, and it's, it's, uh, we just absolutely fell in love with it. And with that, you know, designed a menu that was uh, kind of for all experiences. You know, casual lunch, a business lunch, or uh, a quick snack at the bar where you can leave for 30 bucks with a glass of wine, you know, and tip. Um, but also you can be in the dining room uh, on the white tablecloth and, and have, uh, you know, anniversary dinner. So there's so many different experiences, and we, we developed a, a range in not only the beverage list but also the menu where you can, you know, have a single meatball. The meatballs are served by the, by the piece. Yeah, I noticed you know, that. That's you, smart. You, yeah. can, uh, yeah. you can kind of develop a meal by getting a, maybe a plate of prosciutto, a, a single meatball, and a, a vegetable dish and be totally satisfied. Or you yeah. can have many courses, you know going for the big steak or mini pasta courses and so we have fun uh putting together dinners like that and and uh 
and getting people to have the full experience, you know, multi- in, in, in all the different ways. You do a tasting menu and a la carte, or you just no, stay just, a la carte? just a la carte, yeah. 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 Tasting menus are kind of having a little bit of a challenge these days, right? For people sure. kind of don't want to hear about that anymore. I mean, it's kind of ebbs uh, and flows, I guess, right? Sure, sure. Um, so you guys are open breakfast, lunch, not breakfast, but lunch and brunch and dinner seven days a week? Yep. Lunch, uh, lunch six days, Monday through Saturday, brunch on Sunday, yeah. and then dinner seven days a week. Cool. Yeah. I know I was looking through your team. You have a really accomplished team. Some of that had to... Yeah, I mean, it's really strong team. Are they from people you knew from uh, New York or other places? I mean, you yeah. put together a really nice team, which is congratulations to me. It's amazing you. to see. I hear that's all I hear about staffing in Charleston is it's impossible. There's no one. There's no cooks. There's no it's nothing. It's it's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, in order to hit the ground running, like we we tried to do, I, I tried my hardest to bring a, a pretty established team that I had worked with that I knew people who wanted to come and do something new and have a new experience so uh, we, w- we were able to put together a, a great team from managers to uh, my kitchen mainly the front of the house was 100% uh, from Charleston right but once we got here all the New York transplants were immediately putting in their resumes yeah, so yeah, yeah. we have yeah. probably five that were from New York City um, even though we sourced them all here the, uh, but the cooks, it was already a cohesive team that some of them may have been new to meeting each other, but I had known, had relationships with all of yeah. them. And our core, core team from sous chefs to, to lead cooks were all, you know, I had worked with all of them in one way or another. That's so important, right? Totally. They know totally. your, they know your yeah. slang and your lingo and it's, all your sous vide temperatures. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk about the name. How, how did you arrive at that? So Leifert Falle means uh, to chase butterflies. So it means uh, living unrealistically or I chasing dreams. I don't think I dreams. knew that. Yeah. That's cool. So a lot of people think it's French. A lot of people can't say it at all. Yeah. Uh, but we love, my wife and I were just kind of, you know, that was a huge process of figuring out something that meant something to us that were kind of related to us. Yeah. And uh, we saw that flipping through different Italian uh, Italian sayings and, and, and that one was there at Chasing butterflies, living unrealistically, chasing dreams, and we thought it was perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Chasing it all the way to Charleston. That's right. right. That's right. Let's talk about, I don't, I don't think I've ever been to a farmer's market on my travels down here, but I've been to, no, I don't think I have, but tell me what they're like and how you find the products and the produce and the meat, and obviously the fish is probably really strong, but just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so... It's, uh, Even compared to New York, I mean, let's be honest. Compared you know, to like? New York, I mean, you are. There was working with that, like the farmers market in, in Union Square, where that was where I got most of my stuff. Or here, I, I don't use the farmers market. You're, you have relationships with the, the farmers farmer. themselves. Right? It's a much closer relationship. You really have, uh, you know, everything about what they do, and and they're so proud of their their product, whatever it is, and you have these relationships that are. Uh, which are really fun to have. It's a, it's a, and they bring it right to your door, A right? completely different yeah. uh, way of cooking here. Yeah. You know, where when Miss Paula comes in, which is uh, uh, the Tarvin, Tarvin Seafood, the Tarvin family, they have Miss Paula, their, their shrimping boat, and that comes in almost every day. You know, this is the, the slow season right now, so they're not going out as much, but it's right here. It's right across the bridge. Right. You can go to the dock where they have their, their shop, and pick up fresh shrimp that came off the boat that day. 
you know, that, that wasn't Who available love to that? me anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So little experiences like that. Tank Jackson, we were talking about, who's an amazing guy, so passionate about what he does and raises these heirloom pigs that uh, are unbelievable right here in Wadmala. Yeah. So that's only 20 miles away. And, and we're getting these incredible, uh, incredible different uh, breeds of pigs. Holy City Hogs. We should give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah, he's, totally. He's probably lurking by a fire somewhere <laughs> around here. <laughs> um, let's talk about Charleston is important enough food city on the East Coast and in America as, as a whole to justify its own eater. Um, but what about like, critics and the whole food, social media? I mean, how many critics are in Charleston? Like, what's, what, uh, How's that work here? I would say... And how's it been? Like, a guy from New York coming down here? Like, Sure. I mean, uh, they, they want to know that, you know, that I, that I want to be here, that I want to be genuine. Uh, right. uh, uh, you know, I want to live Which in Charleston. Which you obviously do. Yeah. I'm not just uh, coming here to... To drop a restaurant and yeah. go to Atlanta or go to Charlotte or something like that. Right. You know, I'm here to raise my family, so it was important for me to get that point across to everyone. Sure. That uh, I want to be part of the community. I want to be here to, you know, do my part and make Charleston a, a better place, along with have uh, a great place for my kids to grow up. You know, so yeah. we're, we're here. We're here for the long run, and you know, getting that point across and becoming part of the community and giving back as much as we can and uh, really That's important. Right? Really diving yeah. deep into it. Was uh, was very important for us. So uh, I mean, the it's the same as any other city. The critics, there's probably, you know, are they announced? Are they known? Or? No, they're they're. I mean, we know who they are, but right. they don't announce themselves when they come. Right. Um, and uh, you know, let's see. There's uh, Post and Courier, the Charleston City Paper, Eater. There's Eater a, has its own critic here. Oh, well, not so much a critic, but they post or a bunch somebody of Somebody puts, yeah. puts their thoughts down. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm, I'm doing this consulting project in New York, and um, it's in a hotel, and there's a lot of struggling about the Caesar salad, not to do the Caesar salad. And I just wanted to talk to you about it. You have one on your menu, and like just the thought process from a chef's perspective, because... I've got some like Caesar salad chip on my shoulder apparently, and yeah. you put it on there, and the guests want it, and it's awesome. Like, just tell me, encourage me, you know, tell me the thought sure. process about how you did it, you know? Because I, I actually feel strongly about this. Uh, the Caesar salad, I mean, that's something. This that, is not rehearsed. This is an honest thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. That's um, when you make that salad with great ingredients, it's amazing. So when you pick the Can't right, be denied. When, you, when you pick the right lettuce, you you get beautiful anchovies. You get. Uh, uh, Parmigiano Reggiano, and and you put together all those flavors, right? Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, wanting my menu to be approachable, wanting there to be familiar things, uh, kind of elevate, not even elevating, just doing it properly, you know. So we we put that Caesar salad. We took uh, little gem lettuce, which I feel like is a little heartier than uh, yep than more, a romaine, more spine, yep. right? Yep. And uh, and we make a vinaigrette instead of a creamy uh, a creamy dressing of Caesar. And it just lightly dresses that those greens, um, finishing it with uh, these uh, croutons that we, we basically make garlic bread and heat them to order. So we, may, we take a, a, a loaf of ciabatta, split it in half, rub garlic butter over it, a little bit of parmigiano reggiano. Then it goes in the oven, get nice and crusty. We cut those into croutons and then heat them to order, and they go right on top of the salad. So you just met it head on. You're like, I'm just going to yeah, own it. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And so is the vinaigrette. It's not emulsified, but does it still have egg in it? No egg. No egg. No egg. Yeah. It takes you away from the mayonnaise. Yeah. Mayonnaise arena. So then it... Then it That's it, cool, man. It you just owned light, it. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Light, bright, 
fresh acidity. Yeah. What are some of your other favorite things on the menu? Uh, the octopus carpaccio. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Tell me about that. What's yeah, we take... Uh, it's, it's raw? No, it's uh, braised in white wine. So oh, air, you slice it thin. Aromatics, braised in white wine, and we uh, basically, like a torchon, we wrap it and compress it, let it sit overnight, and then uh, slice it on the meat awesome. slicer. So it's like a mosaic of the, the octopus tentacles uh, just laid out over the plate in a circle. Then we finish it with a pickled uh, eggplant, roasted tomato, and uh, a fetunta. So it's kind of like a 2.0 What's that last thing? fetunta, a grilled uh, grilled bread rubbed with olive oil or garlic and olive oil. Awesome. Yeah. So going back to your heritage, like what what you know, talk about what part of Mexico or if you're second generation where where they're from and yeah. and then the trajectory of getting so obviously immersed in Italian food and does your heritage like have a yearning to come out in your cuisine sure, or is sure. there another, you know, are you going to do something else that speaks to that because a lot of people you know ultimately come back full circle on some level to like what they grew up with and what they know like yeah. talk about that so uh toscano is italian but everybody's always confused because i i'm i'm mexican no question about it right uh yeah talk about your name yeah, too how'd yeah. that come to be so so my family in the uh <clears throat> early 1700s came from south of florence to mexico okay so oh, cool from south of florence to mexico with the name toscano and it stayed uh all the way through and uh, they were in Mexico. My family moved to Texas um, maybe six generations before me. Um, so from Mexico to Texas, and uh, they were from, I believe, northeastern Mexico. I forget the town. My mother's side is from Guadalajara. They're all the way, Ramirez, all the way from, yeah. uh, uh, all the way Mexican. But uh, I grew up with that kind of food, you know, my mother making amazing Mexican food, you know, growing up with homemade tamales and homemade tacos and uh, beautiful tortillas all the time, always available. Yeah. And, and Houston was an incredible place to eat all of that. What they're, a great food city. They're, they're from San Antonio, so always taking uh, summer trips to, to see the family and then coming home with uh, a dozen, uh, oh, sorry, 15 dozen, a canister of tamales. Uh, from our favorite place and super cool and it, it was just uh, that was the food that I grew up eating and I love I love so much so whenever I first started cooking professionally it was uh, you know learning French cuisine and then from there I you know I wanted to work at Per Se and then that didn't work out and I wanted to to figure out you know maybe something else another cuisine and uh, Mario was huge of course and he still is but Sure. At that time, was just blowing up, and uh, Babo seemed really interesting to work at. So I started working at, at Babo and just fell in love with Italian cuisine and really uh, became obsessed with it and just trying to learn all the different uh, regions and all the different dishes. And um, through that, I feel like once I, I got my bearings on Italian cuisine and um, started incorporating you know, little, uh, little nostalgic touches from my upbringing... You know, when I grew up, uh, every once in a while, on special occasions, my mom would get a, a whole cow head, and we'd roast it in the oven. We'd awesome. pick all, we'd pick all the meat, the tongue, everything, the cheeks, the meat below the eye, the uh, the eyes, and which is the best meat. Uh, pick all of that, make tamales with it. So those memories, and then at Perla, we uh, sold this dish, uh, a veal head. So you can't get a cow head anymore. Uh, we would whole roast the veal head presented to the table 
take it back into the kitchen and carve the cheek off. We'd brine the tongue a week ahead. We'd grill that after it was braised, cut the cheeks off, re-sear them, pick all the meat from below the eye, around the jaw, form it into a patty, sear it on the plancha, and serve this beautiful dish with, depending on the season, with ribolita or with some sort of corn and tomato or but bright acidic uh, vegetables and all the cuts of the veal head and presented beautifully on this huge platter for three. And so taking my, you know, nostalgic memories of, of uh, my mother roasting the, the cow head and making tamales and turned it into a dish that we served at my Italian restaurant. You know? I'm sold. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. So, but in a way, it's like you, my original question was like, you know, coming full circle, but in a way you have because your family's, Technically from Italy, so that's, that's right. That's, that's kind right. of awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, what else are you doing for this whole big weekend? What else is going on? So, hey, tonight, at your restaurant and, yeah, and yeah. outside. Tonight we're doing a. Um, it's going to be a, a blowout dinner with Dale Taldi, um, family style, tons of food, multiple courses. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. Um, then tomorrow night we have a regular dinner service, and then late night from ten to one we have a. Uh, a pop-up with Jeffrey Stoneberger from uh, from Two Nixons. He's going to be making his oh, uh, heard of his, that. his heard amazing of that. ramen yeah. dishes and uh, and a couple snacks and his yakitori and so uh, uh, Izakaya pop-up tomorrow night. Sweet from ten to one at Le Farfalle. PM. Yep. <laughs> yep. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a break, Chef. Thank you so much, Chef Michael Luciano of Le Farfalle. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I want to give a quick thank you again to Chef Rob Newton and Michael Toscano and earlier Stephen Satterfield for joining us in the teepee at Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Um, big shout out to our sponsors, Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. And we'll be back later with our awesome host, Carrie Diamond of Radio Cherry Bomb and some really awesome ladies joining her. So stay tuned. Check Charleston, uh, sorry, heritageradionetwork.org slash Charleston for our full schedule. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Big Green Egg, the world's largest producer of ceramic charcoal grills. In business since 1974, they've transformed ancient cooking vessels into modern-day masterpieces. Today, they sell seven sizes of the egg, as well as hundreds of accessories designed to make your cooking fun, entertaining, and delicious. Often copied but never equaled, the Big Green Egg is the ultimate cooking experience. Learn more at biggreenegg.com. This episode is also brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms, over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second and even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association seal of approval. Learn more at springermountainfarms.com.